introduction. So, firstly, Matt, can you tell us a bit about... Uh, so, um, I work at Tabor. Um, I'm one of the main lecturers there. I teach, in, uh, teach and teach. I teach in church history and theology. They're the main kind of things I do. Um, I have some people's parents as, as students. It's the, from here, and I have uh, that kind of thing. Um, I also uh, live with uh, my uh, wife and three kids and my parents-in-law. Um, all of my three kids were kind of born into this church building. Um, I was reflecting the other day that my daughter, when she was like three or four, she used to dance right there um, uh, with a spinny dress. That was one of her main ways of doing worship here. So, yeah. Yeah, oh, very good. So good, uh, good history with the church here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, might have come across as a strange question, but what's the uh, what's the weirdest thing that you've done in this building here, Matt? Yeah, okay. The weirdest thing I've done in this building. I've done some weird things in this building <laughs> several times. Um, uh, so one thing I remember that was unusual um, is we used this place as a laser tag area. And I don't know if you actually realise this, but there are very few dead ends in this building. Like, there's usually at least two exits, sometimes three, to every part of... If you lock off the kids, like the children's room, and if you open up that kind of pathway through there, you can pretty much go anywhere and you have an escape valve, which for laser skirmish is amazing. <laughs> right? And so, like, we, we deck this place out with, like you know, um, like, like uh, obstacles all through the place and like, um, and everything. And, and it always culminated with kind of like a face-off that would usually happen in this building, like right in this one, in the chapel. Um, it was a very sacred moment. Um, so yeah. Oh, that's good. good, that's good. I think that's probably what the founding fathers had in mind. Yeah, yeah, that's totally what they were. So yeah. Good way yeah. of using it as they intended. Yeah, with like extremely yeah. violent yeah. Like music <laughs> in the background going like, you know, yeah. So. Yeah, very good. And um, maybe without giving away too much, um, maybe in, a, in 25 words or less, what are you going to be talking about this morning? Um, I, I can do that in one word, oh. prayer. Oh, that's, um, so that's, like, that's a lot less. That's yeah. it, we're done. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, I'm going to be talking about um, praying. Excellent, yeah. Well, speaking of which, I might pray for you now and then you can um, get into that, it. Yeah. That's very apt. Yeah. <laughs> right. Is that a good segue? <laughs> this is great. Smooth. Yeah. All right. Um, dear Jesus, we thank you so much that uh, we've got Matt here to share with us and um, we ask that you would um, use him to uh, show to us that prayer is something that we get to do, uh, not something that we have to do, that it, it is a real privilege and um, yeah, a real joy of um, being in your family. Um, bless his words. pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks again for having me. Um, uh, it's always nice to... Um, pop back. Um, I uh, started attending Glen Osmond Baptist in 2003 um, and uh, 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 have a lot of fond memories and um, uh, remember a lot of you guys fondly and some of you the memories aren't that um, long ago like last night I was um, uh, with uh, John Wigness um, at uh, the ba uh, a baseball uh, uh, best and fairest night because we play in the same team. Um, we had a running gag, who was going to speak longer, me or the uh, Div 1 coach? Could be neck and neck. Um, uh, but yeah, so 
Um, uh, I thought I'd come today and uh, talk to you about prayer. Um, and one of the things I've noticed about prayer is how often the talks about prayer are like why you should do it, like why it's the right thing to do. And my impression of those kind of talks is that they give you excellent reasons why you should do, which all, all that seems to do is just make you feel guilty about not doing it. And so I'm not really here to tell you shoulds. Um, what I'm, I'm going to do is try to give you um, uh, a, a few sweeteners as to why it might be really helpful. So I'd like you to come to the point where you want to rather than feel like you should. Um, and the, uh, the key thing I want to start with is that um, I think prayer is the best thing you can do for your mental health. So I, I think prayer is the best thing you can do for your mental health. Um, I know that for myself, uh, so a little peek behind the curtain, um, in the midst of all the stresses of the last two or three years, I came probably this close, maybe a little over the other end of um, burnout last year. And uh, uh, like had to really um, step back on my job and all kinds of stuff. I, um, uh, and when I did that, one of the key things that actually helped me was prayer. Um, uh, and I'll kind of take you through some of the ways that I approach that later. But honestly, I don't really care how you pray. Like on one level, like um, I, there are no rules here. There are only strategies. In, this is one of my key things when I'm talking about prayer with people is there are no rules, there's just strategies. And whatever works for you, you know, as long as like you're talking to Jesus, that, that's pretty much the main criteria I have. But like um, uh, I want to offer you quite a few different approaches and treat it like a menu. And you might go, nah, I'm good. But you might find that another one really works for you. And um, that's the first thing. But... One of the interesting things is, again, not a rule, but a strategy. In my experience, I've found that um, one type of prayer that I thought would help did not, and the prayer that I thought would help least actually helped the most. And what I'm talking about is, any of you guys know that old acronym ACTS for prayer? So that's adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and then supplication, which is just a word for like asking for stuff, but ACTA didn't really work. So that is ACTS, right? So supplication, which is a terrible word, but it works for the acronym, so what are you going to do? So the thing is, I think, I think certainly me, and I think a lot of people think that the, the best way to actually make yourself feel better about your, um, yourself and, and everything, if you are going to approach it from a mental health perspective, is to ask God about whatever's bothering you. Right? It would make sense. You would go and you would say, God, I'm really worried about such and such, and that would make you feel better. Well, I want to read you a psalm. And let's see how this works out for him. 
Okay, I'm going to read, um, this is a, a psalm of Asaph, um, and it's Psalm 77. Now, I'm just going to read it out, um, uh, and uh, uh, I'll read the first half of it, and let's see how it goes. So, um, uh, it's kind of a testimony to his prayer life. I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out untiring hands. So I'm going to stop there. That pretty much sets it up in terms of the kind of thing that I'm talking about. You can tell this guy's mental health is not great. Okay? He's coming with pretty... He's pretty upset. He's pretty messed up. Maybe he's gone through a pandemic. I don't know. But, like, he's, he's having a rough trot. And so he's like, I cried out to God for help. I'm like, God, help me. I've got this issue in my life, and I've got this issue, and I've got that issue, and I'm really freaking out. And he's getting into all of that. And then the very, like, we're not even through verse 2, having established this is his premise, and he said, and I wouldn't be comforted. I, I, I wouldn't be comforted. I remembered you, God, and I groaned. I meditated, and my spirit grew faint. And then he gets cross at God, which is quite refreshing, because um, uh, it's kind of like, well, clearly this is your fault, because I'm calling out, and it's not really working, so you kept my eyes from closing, and I was too troubled to speak. Yeah, right? And then he goes a bit further. He says, And then I thought about the former days, the years of long ago. I remembered my songs in the night. So now he's getting a bit nostalgic. And he's like, I wasn't always like this. I, I used to have it all together. Like, things were great. Now, yeah, this really sucks. So he says, My heart meditated and my spirit asked. And interestingly, rather than helping him, this is actually starting to mess him up more. Right? He says, will the Lord reject me forever? Will he never show his favor ever again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in anger withheld his compassion So now he's frustrated. He's frustrated because he's gone to God. He said, I'm really worried about this stuff. I've got all of these issues. I'm groaning out to you, Lord. And he's, it's just not making him feel any better. Right? Who immediately resonates with this dynamic? Where you've gone to God and you've said, Look, some schmuck told me that me praying would make me feel better. Right? That, much, that schmuck, Matt Gray, got up and told me it would be better if I prayed. Well, I went to him and I prayed, and it is not making me feel better. Well, I, I resonate with this because I have been in this situation myself. And here is what I learned at least about me. Um... I found that I would do this a lot at night, you know, like, night for me is when the demons come, like, mentally, because, you know, like, during the day I'm busy, I've got stuff to do, you know, it's, it's when the night has actually got quiet, 
and I'm in my bed and there's nothing else to do and nothing else to think about, that's when I get really thinky, right? And so, and I worry. And I worry about this and I worry about that and I worry about that and then I worry about that too and then I worry about that. And then I go, okay, okay, I know what I need to do. I need to pray about these things. And I'll take them to the Lord and I'll just leave them with him and that will be so good. So God, I'm worried about this and I'm worried about that and I'm worried about that and gosh, why on earth did they do that? And what on earth? And I'm really worried about this. And, I'm, and you know what I've done? All I've done is change the worrying that I was doing already into the second person, right? So instead of saying... I am worried about this to myself. I'm now saying, you, hey, you, just so you know, I'm worried about this, but it's the same conversation. It is exactly the same conversation. Nothing has changed. And I think God kind of sits there and goes, anytime you want me to have a conversation, like anytime you want me to have a word in, I'm here, just so you know, right? But you seem to be going on a merry little run here. Let's just leave it at that. You, you keep on going your way. And and then I get angry at him because he won't talk. And that's mainly because I won't shut up because I'm too busy getting angry and, and worried about all of the stuff that I was worried about already. It, it's not a great strategy, I've got to tell you. It, it wasn't really working for me. And the, then I want you to hear how the psalm changes. Then I thought, okay, okay, then I thought, okay, let me, to this I will appeal. The years when the Most High stretched out his right hand. And you might think, he's thinking, the years that God helped me, and maybe that'll help. I, and you, I could understand that, where what you would do is you would say, hey, look, God was with me when this happened and this happened. He helped me out when I was going through previous troubles and stuff like that. And maybe that would be a good strategy, but that's not actually where he's going. He says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate on all your mighty deeds. So not just about me, all of them, everything. I'm going to start thinking about all of the great things that God has done. Right? Now, within a Jewish culture, an Old Testament culture, of course, that's not just about him. That's about things like God, you know, parting the Red Sea and rescuing the Israelites and bringing them to the promised land and, like, getting the temple built. and Like, it's part of that kind of stuff, right? So, he's remembering that God has done great things in the past not for him personally so much as for the nation. And what else has God done? Well, he created the world. That was pretty impressive. You know, he's um, doing... Um, uh, what else has he done? He makes crops grow. He does this. He does that. He makes the sun rise up. He does all of that. So then he goes... Now he switches and he goes, your ways, God, are holy. What God is as great as our God? You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. With your mighty arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. 
the waters saw you, God. The waters saw you and they writhed. The very depths were convulsed. The clouds poured down water. The heavens resounded with thunder and your arrows flashed back and forth. Your thunder was heard in the whirlwind. Your lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled. Your path led through the sea. Your way through the mighty waters. Your footprints were not seen. And you led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. And that's how it ends. Now, what I want you to notice is he's come to God and he's got to God and he's going, listen, dude, I got these problems. Man, have I got these problems. And I'm really worried and I'm freaking out and I'm worried about this and this and this and I'm worried about that and I'm worried about this and I'm worried about that and I'm worried about that and none of it has actually worked to the point where he got ticked off at God and then we switch into this next half and do you notice what he said nothing about at all in the second half of that psalm. Himself. Nothing. Not a thing. It's really interesting. And it's pretty evident that by the end, he feels better. He actually seems to be feeling okay. And yet, what the hell's happened to any of his problems? Well, ostensibly, nothing. The problems are still there. All of the things that he was worried about are still... It's not like he's saying, I went to, the God, I went to God and I talked it through with him, and then God gave me this great insight about how I could fix that problem. If I just went and talked to her about this, if I just put this document in, then that would get that solved. If I just move the curtain to the left, then think, he helped me figure out the right answer. Or, you know what, I was worried, and then I just realised that I'd be able to kind of wait a bit longer and it'd sort itself out. Or, like, none of that. Or nothing like God would go and smite those people. There's nothing about that. There's no, God will go and deal with this problem for me. Or God will give me the words to say in that situation. There's none of that. It has, like really, if you look at it, on the surface, what he's pointing out about how God is so flipping awesome and everything like that and did this and did that and did this has nothing to do with whatever his problems are, to the point where we don't even know what those problems might have been. Isn't, doesn't that strike you when you notice it as weird? Like, on the surface, doesn't that strike you as weird? Like, he's just, you could legitimately un- understand if someone read that and went, but God hasn't solved anything. You came to him with all of these problems and God hasn't done a darn thing to solve any of them and yet this is your solution? And 
you know what? I would totally understand if you had that kind of a reaction. And to be fair, in other places in the scriptures, right, they do use a strategy of, hey God, I asked this, you heard my prayer, and you fixed it. Awesome. Okay? And so I, I don't want you to hear me saying that supplication or requesting and going to God with your concerns is a bad idea. Like the Bible is completely full of times where people are asked to do that. You might think Philippians um, 4, like, you know, go with prayer and petition and ask and bring your request to God. Great. You'll have a sermon on that probably next week. Uh, right, yeah, great. Okay, so like, I get that. That'll work. My point is no shoulds. There are no shoulds. There are no rules here. If that's working for you, awesome. My point is, sometimes it doesn't. And the last place in Acts that you would think that you could go to make yourself feel better is actually potentially the best place to go. And that is that little A at the beginning, to adoration. Because if you look at that, that's basically what he's done. Basically, what he's done is he's gone... I am not going to spend my time worrying about my things and calling it and effectively doing sanitized worry. I'm not going to worry and and say, oh, but I'm doing it to you, so that'll help. I got to I got to shift my eyes. I got to shift my view. I I've got to get the focus off of that stuff for a bit. Okay, and so for me. I have found that the, the whole thing of just continuing to ask actually makes me feel worse, not better, a lot of the time. Now, don't get me wrong, there's plenty of times where I ask and it's great. But for me, when I'm in, in the midst of feeling really anxious or worried, and, I, and I'm worried about my mental health, the thing that I have found is most helpful for me is to stop thinking about myself and to start to think about him. Why? Because he's actually pretty awesome. He's actually pretty awesome. And he's awesome because of all of the great things he's done. And he's awesome because of who he actually is. And the more I spend time with him, acknowledging who he is and how great he is and how powerful he is, the more I am focused on the fact that he is amazing, powerful, that he loves me, that he cares about me, that he cares about the world, that he sees everything, that he is, the technical term, omniscient, right? He, he knows everything. All of that kind of stuff. Ironically, the more that actually makes me feel safe. The more that makes me feel relaxed. The more it makes me feel warm. My... My kids have woodies. 
right? Do you know Udis? Oh, good Udi. Like a, uh, it's like ba basically walking around in a blanket. Fantastic. And I think of my sons sitting down and watching Saturday morning TV on a cold day in their Udis and just being wrapped up in that without a care in the world. And that's one kind of description of what this kind of prayer does for me is it just makes me feel woodied. It makes me feel safe and warm because I know that there's a big God out there and he's got this to the point where I actually even forget what this is for five minutes. That's a nice place to end up. Now again, there are no rules here. So Jesus doesn't care about what form you take to how you pray. He doesn't care how you actually get to this point. And so he gives you lots of options. And one of the great things is we live in, a, in, a, in an era where, we, where the church has had so many different ways that they pray. And so many different ways that it's actually worked for people. So I'm going to um, uh, quickly take you through some of the interesting ways that that works. So, for example, communal prayer works. Catching up with friends and praying together, be it in a small group, be it in a large auditorium, works. It's great, except sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it's just not your thing. And you actually find it really distracting, or maybe you spend so much of your time worrying about how people hear you when you speak that you're actually forgetting who you're praying to. Um, are you praying to him or are you praying to them because you want them to be really impressed with how you're praying? But like that, that's not the point, and then you just distract. Maybe that's not working for you right now. Well, stop it. Do private prayer. Private prayer is great. Right? Going and talking to God by yourself is great. Except when it, when it doesn't. Right? Sometimes it doesn't. You know? Sometimes meeting with other people is really awkward. So one of the things at, at Glen Osmond, is, uh, not at Glen Osmond, at, at Tabor, is we have a prayer meeting every morning for staff. And one of the hilarious things about that is that like communal prayer is done in different ways in different denominations in different churches. And sometimes it works for people and sometimes it doesn't. So ours is what we, the classical term is extemporaneous, which is basically what Pentecostals and Baptists and, and kind of our tradition do, which is we just make it up as we go along, right? We kind of get there and we go, hey, God, really worried about this, that and the other. What's going on? Can you help us out with that? That kind of thing. Um, and we're doing it off, off the cuff. Well, that's great, except when it doesn't work. And so we've, we've got some people on staff who are Catholics and they, and they come and they find that very awkward because as part of their tradition, you don't do extemporaneous prayer. You don't do prayer off the cuff. You do that you follow and you do and, and that works. So like it's really awkward for them because they're sitting there and going, I, I don't know how to actually pray in this situation. Like I don't, I don't know what to say and you guys say all these nice things but you flipping theologians, and like, I don't know, I'm, I'm, 
just from the admin. I don't know what I'm doing. And then slowly but surely what happens is, is they switch and they get to a point where they say one morning like, dear God, do I just pray for Phil that you help him with this sort of I mean. And, that, like, and that's a big moment. That's a brave moment for them. So sometimes it works. And then it doesn't. Now, we'll sit there and we'll go, oh, well, that's because they're used to doing liturgical prayer, which means that they've got someone else saying all of the stuff. And that means that they're not actually really praying at all. They're kind of faking it and that kind of thing. Well, that's true. That can happen. Sometimes it doesn't work, but sometimes it does. So for me, um, I like to say that that kind of prayer, where you have a fixed prayer, where someone is doing the prayer for you, right, is actually great when you can't sort out your stuff. When you can't sort out your brain, it's great. One of the longest standing traditions in the history of the church is a tradition of what's called um, uh, the Benedictines, the Benedictine monks. They would pray the Psalms. They would pray the Psalms together, all 150 of them, every week. 52 times a year, they would pray the Psalms. And what that meant was that they didn't have to do the heavy lifting. They just found themselves letting the words bring out what what their own feelings were. And the Psalms are so great because there's like happy Psalms and sad Psalms and angry Psalms. They could find themselves in those in different times and different places. So for me, one of the things that I did is I got my Bible app out when I'm like, I'm, I'm losing my mind, when the demons come in the middle of the night and I'm feeling really nervous and that kind of thing, one of the mental health things that I do is I will get a little earplug in there and I will put on the Psalms with one of those audio Bibles that our apps have and I will just listen to the Psalms and you'll never guess what happens. I stop worrying. And so many of the Psalms are about, gee, you're pretty awesome, God. I find myself caught up in the adoration of them. And then I'm not really worried about myself anymore. And then I go to sleep. It's great. So sometimes the liturgical side of things is great. It actually... Works better than the whole doing it off the cuff. So, my, my simple point here is, there are no rules. Find what works for you in your prayer life to make your life feel more okay. And to use whatever works for you, but a few tips, just to reiterate. Maybe... Shifting the focus to him, that may really help. Okay? It's not that you shouldn't talk about yourself or your issues. Totally think that's great. But maybe that might not be the best strategy. Maybe it'll be sanitized worry. Instead, talking about him might be reassuring. Maybe getting someone else to do the heavy lifting for you might help. Or maybe just you find yourself talking to him about himself, that, like off the cuff and figuring it out yourself along the way. That could be great too. Right? 
my hope and my prayer is that in that process, it's a slippery thing because you're, by, by not making yourself the focus and, and everything, you make yourself feel better. It seems really weird. But maybe that'll be a way forward for you. So, probably makes sense for me to pray. So let's do that. God, I get this image. I get the image that what we could do is we could take all of the things that we have that are worries and that are burdens for us. And I want, I want everyone to just imagine, Lord, that we've got a basket in front of us and we can just chuck those things all in the basket. And maybe you could be thinking about that. Like, what's some of the things that you're worried about at the moment? And God, I want to put that in front of us. But God, now I want to focus on the fact that you are light. That you are glorious and powerful. That you are pure and great. And I want us to drink deeply from the looking at your light and how wonderful and gracious and powerful and glorious you are and to see more of your glory and to see that you are more powerful than we could possibly ask or imagine, that you are greater than everything, that your light shines over everything that we do to the point where that basket is completely enveloped with your light, that you're more powerful than everything that we could be worried about, to the point where all of those things pale in the face of the light that is you, you glorious, wonderful, spectacular, flipping awesome God. And we praise you and thank you that you are the God that we have, who not only is so powerful, but that loves us and knows us and knows our situation more than we could possibly imagine or understand ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen. So you there, you did it. Well done. Okay. Thank you, Matt. That's, um, yeah, it's a real relief to hear that. Um, yeah. We, the less we focus on ourselves, the more we focus on God and praise Him. Uh, that can really help with all our worries. So it's, yeah, makes you feel lighter hearing that. Thank you. Um, we'll invite the kids up if they've got 